God, I'm so glad you're here. So many things you I want to tell you. There's something I want to say while well, I have it straight in my head. Okay, go ahead. You never stopped believing in me. Thank you for that. And there's something else, something uh, that I, I couldn't admit to before. I could have given Mrs. Ganesh another extension on her loan, but I didn't. It was my decision. It was wrong with me. such a good heart. You're so beautiful right now. Do you like my new coat? I do. I really do. What happened to the old one, though? I threw it out. I never want to see it again. Oh, no. Oh, that's too bad, because I look what I found. I found this in the car. I thought, um... I thought maybe you could, uh... I thought maybe you could sew back on, back on. I think you might have my standing liberty order because the envelope's kind of like the same. Chris, Chris, what's, what's wrong? Oh my god! Hey, hey, hey! Hey, hey, hey! Chris, oh god! Hey, hey! Hey, hey, no! Hey! Oh god, no! in theory my name is webb and this is my co-host mike and we continue our trilogy this week with sam remy's drag me to hell now have you seen the show the good place i know we talk quite a bit about tv and how much you hate it but have you ever seen the good place i think like four episodes i think okay and then uh i really like the pilot which is strange because there's i think we've it's a good pilot We've also talked about shows before where the the pilot is sort of wildly off, you know, and they they find their their groove when they're not trying to sell the thing uh, as a generic concept. I, I had a hard time getting into it. I think I don't know if that one's bingeable, and that may be blasphemous to uh, some people. But the the uh, broad tone of it was like a bit much for me to just watch like seven hours straight of it. So uh, I felt like I would have enjoyed it more weekly. I would say that is one of those rare shows where I'm like, I think it's worth it to get through the first season because... Oh, no. You know how I feel about that. (laughs) I'm aware, (laughs) but I feel like the show doesn't reveal its full hand until the first season, and then the show kind of 
you're just putting me in the shoes of a uh, network executive where I'm like, I have to give you a whole year to figure this out. <laughs> Time <laughs> no, no. is money. <laughs> but the thing is, they've already figured it out and they're not uh, um, testing to see what's wo- what works. It's actually quite established as to what's happening. Um, and the first series finale blows up its premise. And it's very interesting. Anyhow. This is a bad sign for Drag Me to Hell. We're already talking about a sitcom. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what The Good Place does is it ultimately discusses what constitutes uh, being a good person and how difficult it is to be a good person in today's uh, modern society. If you buy something from, you know, the Hobby Lobby, are you supporting these individuals uh, who own this uh, establishment that have these very far right and really uh, bizarre views that you may not have? Does that make you a bad person? So it it's difficult. And would drag me to hell. One of the things that I always think about is our main character. Is Christine a good person or is she a bad person? Does she deserve to be tortured for the length of this film and i'm gonna she... say no sir i mean <laughs> does every viewer believe in capital punishment here for <laughs> like, like, <laughs> i don't know throwing your chewing gum on the sidewalk like that's and granted the old lady here is uh i guess being thrown on the street of course the talking about reveals later it seems like she's got quite the cast of characters as far as extended family she couldn't crash on someone's couch there um i've seen this this is like my fourth time watching it yeah me too i don't know if i've ever liked it fully like there's elements of it i enjoy and i'm like oh this is fun uh and then i you know the the central premise of this person that works at a bank uh who's really just middle management uh is not ultimately making the decisions but is just basically the messenger of sorts uh, it's not a pleasurable movie from its premise of like, well, I can't wait to see Alison Lohman get, just take her right down to hell. That ought to be fun. Uh, which is weird because it's a silly horror movie. I mean, it's Sam Raimi, so he likes to have fun with these horrific uh, ideas and concepts. But I, I thought you would go this direction because I think what I struggle with the most is uh, it's fucking overkill old lady like (laughs) (laughs) yeah first off are you uh, condemning this woman to hell because you feel like she's taking away your home which kind of sort of but you know you could probably point that uh, curse somewhere else and get maybe more accomplished uh poor david pamer i guess is who i'm gonna send to hell even (laughs) though he really ultimately even he's not i guess (laughs) responsible you have to go all the way up the chain um or is she being punished because she gets scared because this woman puts hands on her mm-hmm. and she removes them a little bit forcefully, not as forcefully as I would if a deranged lunatic started grabbing on me. And I think that that's where I feel no sympathy for this old lady is like, oh, you assaulted someone and they asked you to please stop in a fashion that you found curt. And rude. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I I don't get into the moral questions of this one, even though I guess that's uh, in reading up on it, Sam Raimi really wanted to sort of tackle that. I'm going to say by that notion, the film was an outright failure <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> c- 
condemning someone to have their soul eaten for all eternity. That's a big ask. This person, you know, this little daughter of the matchstick men, she better have a laundry list of crimes and sins here, other than I accidentally bumped someone who was, uh, was you know, making me fear for my life. Let's, you know, come on. And, you know, it's frustrating because... And this is kind of the trick that Sam Raimi is purposely getting you to empathize with her almost every step of the way. You know, even so much so as the the uh, the horrible Stuart is that the uh, her her nemesis at the bank. Oh, you hate him so much, and he's doing all these shady and underhanded things uh, to get what he wants, and he's being rewarded for it. David Payer, uh even says like he's a go getter. We we like that in 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 someone of that position. So it's frustrating that these negative attitudes are being rewarded, and it's something that we see every day. And that's kind of the you know the fun of horror films is that uh, you get to kind of see these things, and it's ultimately up to the director to decide how to punish and reward. And so Remy is being purposefully a little uh, more uh, sadistic, and by the end of it. Boy, you really do want her to succeed. And, and she has every single chance uh, to kind of give away her button to somebody, uh, even to her, to Stu, and she doesn't do it. And you really do feel for her the whole time. And it's kind of Sam Raimi pulls the rug under you. And the thing is, the filmmaking is so good. It really is. And, and he's clearly having a lot of fun with all of the little horror set pieces that he has sprinkled throughout. They all kind of are the same set piece and that's kind of frustrating and maybe that's because he's hampered by a pg-13 rating it's totally possible the film is ultimately not very scary it's not very funny it's somewhere in between but i think it ultimately succeeds just barely because sam raimi is just having a good time and not being bullied by avi arid to squeeze in as many spider-man villains <laughs> as he can into a film i think i think that's ultimately why we uh, uh, cheer for raimi here Thinly drawn characters. I mean, even the, uh, I guess, the meeting the future, possible future in-laws, uh, Justin Long's parents, which to what you're saying is yet another set piece for gross things to yeah. happen. There's, there's a lot of a lot of things being, uh, a lot of projectiles uh, coming out of uh, people's mouths or, uh, you know, the, the eating, the consumption of food. Um I don't know if I've ever seen a fight scene where someone attempts to gum someone's face, which I, <laughs> I will applaud that for, you know, something something fresh, I guess. But yeah, Justin Long, strangely, might be the most interesting character in his stoicism, I guess, because you usually have, if there's like a romance, uh, or even I guess you could say a friendship, 
if someone, and usually in the horror genre, like a female character, is uh, appearing to to lose their mind uh, for whatever supernatural reason, you know, there's there's going to come a point where someone uh, doesn't believe them, and that creates even more trauma uh, in their life. And I like there are multiple times here where you can tell this dude is like, Phew, I have really. I've really stepped in it as far as the woman I fall in love with, but he actually doesn't deviate from that love. He's like, no, I still, I felt that I'm committed to it. Like I'm, I'm trusting my instincts. Uh, and I'm going to trust, uh, Christine here, even though I don't believe what's happening to her, she believes it. So that's good enough for me. It's a, it's an authentic experience she's going through, even though it's not one I can share in. And I dug that. I did. I always kind of forget that. Cause I, I, in my memory, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of the, the thankless boyfriend, the thankless witness to horror, the one that doesn't have the the uh, the attacks fall at his feet, but he gets to see someone he, he loves uh, be terrified and sort of exhausted by by this this haunting of sorts. And that that's pretty cool. It's I mean it's <laughs> it's not I mean even though the film does end with. I guess an expected twist. I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's even a thing, but I feel like, uh, M Knight, you know, has, that's his bread and butter, right? As you know, there's going to be a twist, but I do feel like Justin Long, I like that he, they don't have the fallout sequence where he's like, I don't know what you're going through, but how dare you spit out a fly in front of my mother? <laughs> like <that> sort of <laughs> thing. <laughs> I mean, I think he even says in that sequence, her, her parents are like, you know, just let, God, let the crazy one go. Like, yeah, that's clearly, she's got problems. You don't need to assign yourself to being her caretaker. And he's like, no, I'm, why would I abandon someone that I care about? Like they need me now more than ever. And it's, yeah, it's, it's strange that a horror film includes someone who is so incredibly decent. I think that Christine also is, um, I did read that there was some, criticism that the the film was unfairly bringing down a, a lead female character for displaying the same as you said uh i guess the the go get of nature that Stu has like that it was punishment that they're expressing masculine tendencies in the workplace i don't know i don't know if the film is that focused on it in particular because i think it's just a means to <laughs> to fulfill the title of dragging <laughs> her to hell. <laughs> no, um, it's not taking a, a any kind of um, social slash political stance on that. I, I can't imagine him doing that. And honestly, I mean, look back at something like Evil Dead, where it's like he, he he tortures his characters constantly. You know, Justin Long easily could have played the lead here. Yeah, and Allison Lohman could have been the su supportive, uh, caring partner. And I I don't think for me at least it, it changes. The film. I mean, I, I, there is something we said from a marketing standpoint that I guess with horror films in particular that the the sort of idea of the scream queen probably plays better. Uh, and this one, this was a hit. I mean, I actually couldn't remember how this was received. And I look and I'm like, good God, made ninety million dollars. Like that. I, I mean, it's unfair in post COVID time to be like, look at all that money because <laughs> maybe that's why I didn't think of it as a huge hit. Maybe in 2009, that was like, well, that's a modest little success. But uh, for this type of material, um, no offense to Miss Loman here, who apparently just disappeared like after yeah. this, like, cause I was, I just had curiosity. I'm like, Oh, what's she been in? Like, you know, in the last decade. And I'm like, not, not much. She kind of walked away and started a family and, 
You know, she did her own stunts for Raimi, and then she's like, "Enough of that! I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna be thrown around a room anymore." But it is sad because I really liked her in uh, Big Fish and Matchstick Men. There's a lot of stuff from the 2000s that she was certainly an up and comer. Certainly. Well, I, I didn't check, but is this her last film? Was she actually dragged to hell, and we never see her ever again? It's strange. It's, I mean, in a way, it is. She has. So this is 2009. She has four credits after this. A small role in Gamer, the Gerard Butler thing Yikes. where she met her husband, uh, one of the uh, God, the two directors that did Ghost Rider, uh, Neville Dean and Taylor. Uh, she married one of those dudes. And then the other movies after, she either has like a non-speaking part or a very small role. And it's either film that uh, her husband directed or produced. So it's almost just like... A favor or she just hung out on the set one day so yeah for all intents and purposes is like drag me to hell is her swan song and it's so strange because if this was well received and was a hit that's a that's a weird one to uh that's a weird image <laughs> to end your film career on <laughs> the last thing yeah exactly do you agree with me as far as this being fun but unpleasant and i don't know if i'm yes. coming at it because I'm, I'm not a big horror guy but it's the it's the very idea of taking someone that is, I guess is all relative, a good person who I'm, I'm not even saying that she made a mistake. I'm saying, yeah, it would have been cool if she could have been over backwards and said, yeah, yeah, pay when you can, uh, old lady. But I, <laughs> to go the opposite way and say, you're behind on your bills, please don't touch me. I don't feel like, especially in the <laughs> Me Too era, is too much to ask for someone to not uh you know step over into your personal space uh especially for them to then feel like they have the right to condemn you to hell that's a big right. ask for me uh, no, i agree that's exactly how uh, i think that I, I would place it 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 is fun but it's mostly unpleasant as well like kind of simultaneous it's a really weird balancing act that Raimi's doing and i i do wish that <laughs> This is going to sound terrible. I wish mm -hmm. that I could cheer for the main character to be dragged to hell. Like, I, I wish it, w it was a fist pump moment at the end and not just kind of like a fuck you moment. It felt like a middle <laughs> finger to the audience. And she just bought a new jacket as well. Like, yeah. Well, I I figured that would bother you. You know, with the, our continuity of your Nintendo Switch cases and all that. Like a, <laughs> a brand new possession that you're excited about. I have a secondary question. I guess it goes into the the world building aspect. So is uh the the old lady that places the curse here, um, do you think she's in hell for that? Is that a hell worthy sin unto itself to condemn someone for a relatively minor infraction of shoving you off of them? Because <laughs> I have to imagine that yes, because we are asked, as you mentioned later in the film, Christine, it, it's told, uh, and it's information that is rightfully withheld, that she can give the curse away. And because the, the character that has this information, when she's like, hey, why don't you tell me that like <laughs> a day ago or whatever, he's, he's the one that's, well, you know, then that's kind of on me too. I'm an accomplice to you making this decision yeah. to condemn someone. So I'm thinking, okay, he's looking at it as this is also a hell-worthy sin to play God in that way. So the whole time I'm wondering, old lady, 
you lost your house and now you're in hell forever. Like, <laughs> just look, you got to Raider Candy Bowl. <laughs> you just went to town. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing here? I don't think I was kind of surprised on rewatch. The film never really seems to care what happened to her or need, like she's somehow absolved from those ethical issues, even though she's the one wielding the ultimate power in this right. film. Everybody seems to be doing something wrong uh, throughout the course of the film, except maybe Justin Long. Even that old couple who were <laughs> on, like, oxygen tanks. Why? No, wait a minute now. Why is she mean-mugging old people to spend eternity <laughs> in hell? Because, yes, they may, they may not have many days left on this realm, but you you believe and are aware. It has been verified to you that there is a hell. And you will be, you will spend eternity there in pain and agony and suffering. I'm thinking, why are you even looking at these complete strangers? You're like, well, they're probably going to hell anyway. Like, <laughs> exactly. how can you make that judgment? <laughs> there were probably Nazis in the forties and just happened to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I do what I hate to do this. I hate thinking about alternate versions of films like, ooh, this would have made the film better. But I don't think it would have made the film better uh, uh, thinking about all the different things I could change. I think it would have made it more palatable for me. <laughs> I think that's It's weird that it you and I have seen this multiple times, though, because I watched it in theaters and I remember being mixed on it. And the buddy I was watching it with, he was really into it. And I, I think I think he found it kind of dorkish of me to like come across as like that was kind of distasteful i don't know if i, <laughs> I enjoyed that <laughs> not two minutes uh which is a weird thing for you know uh, i think a 20 something to to be so appalled by uh something that is clear in its intentions with the title but then i bought it on blu-ray I think at the time I was really into highdefdigest.com and they were like, this transfer is spectacular. And I'm like, well, I was mixed, <laughs> but if it looks pretty on my television, <laughs> it gets worse. Web. I also, I watched this. I didn't stream it off a of service. I don't even know if it is streaming because I own an iTunes copy of this. And so I bought it again. I bought the digital copy. So why is it this film that I'm like, no, hold on. Did you buy the uh, semi-recent Scream Factory release with the uh, new oh, transfer? No. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. All right. I've not gone that far. And uh, I like to think, because I, I didn't want to come into this recording with you, like, negative. Because like, clearly I've I've seen it four times. I've purchased it multiple times in various mediums, various formats. But every time, and this time was no different, I was like, I declare that is the last fucking time I watched Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> You know what? Let's make a pact right here on Trilogy Theory. When when either of us are thinking about watching Drag Me to Hell. We'll just send the link to this episode. Be like, all yeah. right, remember what you said. But I can't uh, what, sell the rights to my digital copy. It's not like I can rid it from my house, so I'm kind of right. stuck with it in my queue. Did you you said you still hide stuff, though, in your digital library? Like, yes. You, you've, made, you've made mistakes. <laughs> You know what? One of the films that I've hidden, Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Allison Lohman. 